Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Today we're going to talk with uscfootball.com, Pete Ryder and columnist Dan Weber about the game, of course, on Saturday. Lots of questions you guys have sent in. We'll talk about what he's seen in practice so far this week as they get ready to play another Sunbelt team, uh, Idaho. Uh, but if you have any questions for us, keep sending them in. We'd love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com. That's our email address. Uh, you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, check out all the old episodes, but you can also leave us a voicemail there. Click on the left side of the page and leave a voicemail from any of your devices. You can do it right on that page. Or if you want to use the regular phone, 641-715-3900 is the number, then it's extension 816-646. Uh, we actually had that number wrong, extension wrong up on the website for a couple weeks. So make sure you write this one down. Extension 816-646. Leave a voicemail there. And, of course, we want you to follow us on iTunes, any of those podcast apps you want to follow along with the show. iTunes is where you can kind of get it all together. So iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. If you haven't left us feedback yet, we would love to hear from you. Leave us five stars. It helps the ratings. It helps promote the show. So we appreciate that. Send it to your friends. Tell everyone that you like the Peristyle Podcast. And, you've like, of course, Dan Weber, who's joining us right now. What's up, Dan? How you doing? Oh, good. Good. Good long day here today. Uh, Tuesday practice is always probably the slightly the most demanding, and then uh, we'll catch it at the end. Uh, spent the afternoon in court with uh, the, the the Todd McNair case, so uh, uh, kind of a, a full day here. Yeah, we'll have a full podcast talking about your full day, and wanted to thank our sponsor, Michael Moline real estate we're gonna have a longer message from him at the end of the show but if you're in socal here somewhere and you need help with real estate you go to michael moline real estate.com m-o-l-i-n-e is how you spell his last name or give him a call 310-275-4688 and i don't know dan if you got to see michael up in the the press box because i know he helps out with the the stats the defensive stats at the press box but i want i want i didn't get a chance to say hi to him i want to i want to come by and say hi next week hopefully yeah, I did, I did not. I, you know, I think you remind me. I'm absolutely going to look up Michael this week. Uh, there might be some uh, real, uh, you know, stats to work on this week, to, to say the least. It's going to be an interesting, you know, with all those, uh, all the players in, and uh, some of the young guys are going to get a chance, and uh, should be a, a, a stat-filled Saturday, we think. It certainly should be. Let's be earlier, a few hours earlier, which is not bad. Uh, also, be on the Pac-12 network. Um, and well, so I want to talk about a few things, Dan. So what is that? One not bad and one not good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I still don't get the Pac-12 network. Uh, so, so we can't do that. But, um, so a few things we want to talk about. We have so many questions about the game, so we're going to get to those, but I wanted to get an update. You were at Tuesday practice this morning. The offensive players were available. Of course, uh, a lot of the questions involve the USC offensive line, and I know you guys got to uh, kind of discuss that a little bit at practice, so maybe you want to give kind of a an update of what happened at practice. And, well, of course, we're going to get to the Todd McNair stuff, too, at the at the end of the podcast. Yeah, I think it was, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a little more subdued. Uh, I know Sark said he'd like a little more energy the next couple of days. I think it was interesting. 
you've got 23 guys who made their USC debuts on Saturday, and so it was a, a kind of a difference. Cody Kessler was saying, uh, you know, it's no more, uh, you know, what can they, what do we think they're going to do, uh, or, you know, what their potential is. It's now, okay, you're veterans now. And uh, so uh, I don't think there was quite all the, you know, the uh, buzz uh, about it. It was more business-like, I think, uh, today. And I think, you know, then there was all the good news. Uh, Adore, he looks like, you know, you wouldn't have known he's not 100% if you, you know, if you didn't, you know, observe him really carefully. Uh, same with Stephen Mitchell. Uh, you wouldn't know which wrist it was, and he's out there doing up downs and hitting, you know, hitting defenders and, uh, you know, pushing off on that wrist and catching everything. So, uh, uh, Claude Pilon had a good practice. He hasn't been around for three weeks, I guess. Uh, and, uh, let's see, Lamar. Dawson might be the only, he still wasn't allowed. He looks good. He's running well and he's still not quite allowed, uh, with those, uh, with those fractured ribs. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, basically a, uh, you know, and Justin Davis <clears throat> had a very good practice, I thought. And now you're looking at, you know, five running backs, uh, and that's, you know, not counting James Sullivan who got his, you know, chance. Uh, so, uh, uh, I thought, you know, from that standpoint, Look good. I think one of the things we noticed is uh the offensive line ended up running after practice, but it wasn't punishment. It was uh the fact that they didn't get in as not, you know, all that many plays. Uh Sark keeps saying sixty three plays, the play sheet keeps you know, saying sixty four plays, but either way it wasn't a lot of plays. And they they decided that they needed to, you know, work a little bit on their conditioning, having not, you know, gotten all that much action. Uh, Saturday night, although a lot of attention. And I do think they're really settled into the five guys, uh, that are going to be the five guys. Now, Fark, I don't think wants to just, you know, write that in stone because they want the competition there. But, but basically, you know, from the right, you're looking, you know, at Banner and, and Toa and, uh, Max Turk at center and then, uh, Damian Mama and, uh, and Chad Wheeler. And those five guys are staying together. And working together, and uh, I mean, I think you'll see them. I think they work more on, you know, the power run game, and I think they they look more together today. And I think you'll see. I mean, I think they did an awful lot of mixing and matching for all kinds of reasons, you know, in fall camp. But I don't think you're going to see much of that anymore. I think that's to uh, USC's benefit. And uh, you know, Conley said, uh, Coach Conley said, he was, you know. Pleased with almost everything they did, and yet they have a whole lot to work on, you know. So it's uh, you know one of those things. And you thought they, you know, they they did most things pretty well. Uh, and the coaches will tell you that they thought two of the sacks of the five were just were Cody, you know, holding the ball too long, and uh, you know one of them, uh, you know, was a back picking it up. So you know it wasn't all. Uh, you know, the offensive line, uh, responsibility. And one of, you know, was, uh, you know, brand new, you know, Chuma in there for the first time. And, uh, you know, Arkansas State gave them some, you know, some different looks. But I think they were pleased that they adjusted at halftime and you didn't see that in the second half. And that's the thing that this team has to have the ability to do. And it does look like they did it. And it looks like, you know, they'll be able to, you know, continue that. But, you know, it's something really important uh, that, that they get it together, figure out the, you know, the run game that they can go with 
like when they brought in uh, Jaleel Pinner and they gave him, you know, gave him an extra blocker, and he, you know, did the kick out on uh, on uh, uh, Trey Madden, uh, Trey Madden's uh, yeah. sixty-five yard run, and then they 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 you know really hit a quick as Co- or Clay Helton was saying on the the Ronald Jones touchdown for forty-four yards. He I said, when did you know? Because he said. As a play caller, especially with no huddle, you got to be one or two plays ahead. And I said, well, when you get one of those long runs, uh, you realize you're not going to have to call another play. You're going for an extra point. And I said, with Ron, you know, Ronald's run, when did you know that? And he said, oh, about three feet past the line of scrimmage. <laughs> he said, I saw the safety go the wrong way. And I knew he was going to score a touchdown. Said, there was this no doubt. So, uh, so I, I think, you know, you can, you know, pick a, this and that and the other thing. They still scored, you know, 55 points. It's a pretty decent football team. It'll be really interesting. Um, Arkansas State gets Missouri, SEC power Missouri, and I believe the game's at Arkansas State uh, this this week. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Missouri, I think, is ranked 21st, one of 10 SEC teams in the top 25 <laughs> this week. But uh, I'm, I'll be real interested in, in watching how that game goes uh, for USC fans. I think you maybe want to just you know pay attention to it a little bit. For sure. Um, all right, great update from practice and what's been going on. Now we got to get to all of these questions because people want to find out you know what your thoughts are coming out of the game, and you know a lot of them are still going to deal with the offensive line. I'll play you a voicemail one first, Dan, and we'll start with that. Hey guys, Chris from Delaware, your absolute biggest fan. This podcast, I mean, it's just above and beyond everything else in the listening world. What a week. Um, it started with some sort of phantom breathing poltergeist on the Friday podcast into Ryan's illness that I, I chalk up to opening week jitters combined with maybe a touch of, I don't know, meningitis possibly or something. Hope you're better, Ryan. I think a 50-point win might have put you over the top. Now, obviously, friends, I have to listen on radio, and they don't ever really get, you know, specific about who's on the O-line from uh, any given time. So specifically, who played well, who phoned it in, and what the hell happened? Fight on. Thank you so much. Best podcast in the world. And remember, when buying real estate, buy Mike O'Malley Real Estate. Thanks, guys. Little shout out for the sponsor. Yeah, there. There, yeah, from <laughs> Delaware, Joe Biden country. Huh? A little, uh, little touch of uh, Joe Biden there. Actually, I think uh, for the, you know, I, I, I don't think anyone, you know, played great, and I don't know that anyone, you know, phoned it in. I, I just think it was, you know, the opening game, and you know, what happens happens. Uh, I don't think they probably worked all that much on. You know, the five-man groups and, and, you know, whether Zach Banner lost his shoe. He did lose his shoe, I guess, on that first play. And they had Chuma in there, and then Chuma was back in there at times, I think, when there wasn't a, a lost shoe. And I think you're going to see less and less of that. I don't. I just don't see them doing the, you know, the same kind of substituting that they're doing on defense. I just think on offense you've got to get those guys. I mean, I know they want, a, you know, competition, and they don't want – you know, the people, uh, you know, behind everybody to, uh, feel like, uh, you know, I'm not moving up and the guys that are on top aren't moving down. 
but uh, but I think they've got their their nucleus, and I think that you know the emphasis is getting the timing down with both Cody, uh, especially in the passing game, and with the running backs, you know, and uh, you know, and it's different. I mean, you know, Trey Mann's going to hit a hole differently from say Ronald Jones, and I think the more they see that and the more they get to do it. Which is why, you know, you can make a case that the Idaho game can really be a, a positive this weekend. Uh, and, and the, you know, the ability to, to really get it, uh, you know, figured out exactly how they're going to do it. But I, I don't think the, uh, uh, the Arkansas State game against a team that was quick and competitive and did a lot of gaming, you know, stuff and they, they just, you know, and if you're playing them in the first game, you really don't have a chance to see much of their tendencies, even though you know, you know, that they were one of the better teams in the country getting the quarterback, and you can see why. I mean, they they do things that maybe you're not going to see, you know, from Stanford or, you know, maybe you'll see them from Arizona State as much as they blitz, but um, and, and that's probably a good thing. But uh, but I think you know, I think we'll give them another game or two to really, you know start having a sense of is there somebody – Coach Conley did not think that anybody didn't pull his weight, that, it, you know, that there were little things, that there were communication issues, that kind of thing. But uh, I'd like to see him come off the ball a little more, you know, positively, a little more explosively. I think they worked on that today. I just think, you know, there was a lot of thinking uh, maybe – uh, and not not as much. Let's just go blow somebody out, and uh, I think you'll see more of that, you know, this week. Well, that's a pretty good segue into our next question, Dan. Uh, Mike from Irvine says we are just loaded on offense with talent, but it still seems that our short yardage running is one area where clean where clear improvements should be made. To what extent has this weakness been addressed in the practices? Is Trey Madden considered the short yardage back, and would the coaches consider using? Jalil Pinner or some of Anuku in this role. Thanks for the great podcast, Mike and Irvine. Well, I think you might see more of uh, Jaleel or, or Soma as a lead back. Uh, I, I think I think Trey is definitely going to be the the short yardage guy. I think they work more on that today. Uh, I think you know you would see him hit you know a couple of you know behind one another and do it a couple of times and. Uh, just, I think, and Trey, I think, was a little tentative himself. And I think he said that after the game that maybe he wasn't hitting it up in there quite as hard as he should. And, you know, that, that everybody was kind of feeling, you know, feeling their way a little bit, just trying to get everything just right. And I think, uh, just watching them today, I think that, I think they've got that behind them a little bit. I, I mean, I, but I just, I agree with you. Uh, the ability to run the ball in short yardage situations would have won them a couple of more games last year. So uh, I, I don't know that there's anything, you know, that they can do right now more important than improve on that part of their game, that they know what they're going to do, who they're going to do it with, how they're going to do it, all those things. Uh, you know, now that's as much, you know, scheming and making the decision, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it, as it is the execution part of it you know, in terms of practice. So um, yeah, that's a big part of what has to happen this week. Looked like they got started on it, but um, but they got to get that right. All right. Uh, we got a simple one from Earl in West L.A. Only three penalties were these Pac-12 refs. 
Yeah, there may be a new sheriff in town. I sat down with that David Coleman, the new Pac-12 vice president for officiating, and a, a kind of a very laid-back, cool, you know, former NFL, I think he was an umpire, but uh, just a guy that didn't seem like he was all, uh, you know, potentially, a, you know, a guy that was nervous or, you know, a little hyper or whatever. And when you talk to him about the Pac-12's, rep, you know, reputation, he said, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about it. I'm not. And, and it almost was a sense. You got a sense of, yeah, I know what our reputation is. Yeah, I don't like it. But he didn't say that. But he he just said we're gonna you know concentrate on going forward. We're not looking back. And he so he didn't defend. You know, a lot of times we've had so many guys come in and out, and you know they feel like well you gotta kind of defend. You know, he didn't exactly defend. He just said, we're going to, you know, going forward, this is going to be better. And, uh, you know, it certainly was. That was a Pac-12 career. That was uh, David Batman, I guess, is uh, from Oregon, was the referee. Um, he had a couple of those Stanford games that we all remember and not to, you know, I mean, I think I was the, uh, uh, the, the pool reporter who had to go in and talk to him after the, the last Stanford loss here, you know, at the Coliseum where there was all kinds of, uh, you know, questions about a couple of the calls at the end of the game. Uh, hopefully that's a thing of the past as David Coleman said it would be. We'll see. Yeah, we will. Uh, we will see. Pac-12 crew, blowout win. You don't expect, you would expect a lot of flags to have been thrown against USC. And that just doesn't, I don't remember a game like that happening before. USC blown people out, but they'll get flags all over the place and just kind of adds to the sloppiness of the game. And it didn't happen in this one. No, and it, it hasn't been happening much in practice either. I mean, I think this is a team that it, it, they don't look prone to too many of those. Uh, and I think Antoine, I'm not even sure if Antoine knew that rule that you, you're absolutely not allowed on an interception to deck the quarterback. Uh, he's still protected, uh, unless he's, he's actually making a tackle. Uh, <laughs> so, and maybe that, you know, so that you take that one away and, uh, you know, they'd add 10 yards and penalties. Uh, so, uh, that was pretty good. You know, we'll, you know, USC will take that performance any night. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's see. We'll move on. We have another voicemail question for you. I'll play this. Randall in Dallas has a question for Dan. When it comes to the former players who lead the team out of the tunnel, what could the NCAA do in case USC decides to let Reggie Bush do it? Uh, thank you for answering the question, and talk to you guys next week. Hey, Orlando. That's a great question. I would think the NCAA would do something. I know I was covering Kentucky basketball, and they didn't uh, do their media guide the way the NCAA wanted them to. And I know the NCAA, you know, started screaming, and the Committee on Infractions told them, you got to change this. And they had to, you know, make an announcement and say, we're sorry, we were supposed to, you know, count these wins or, you know, as losses or not count them as wins or whatever. Uh, and that was, uh, I guess that was right at the beginning of, the, of Cal Perry's, uh, time at Kentucky. So what they would do to USC, and, and I think, I don't know, I think this is an area where USC has said they might be willing to 
actually challenge the NCAA that, you know, is is a lifetime penalty? Uh, is the NCAA allowed to do that? I mean, are they allowed to penalize you forever about any one part of any anything? Uh, I think, I think you know, you might that might be an interesting. Uh, I mean, I think they would need some things from Reggie before you could ever consider doing that. Uh, you know, and Reggie probably didn't listen to anybody when this all got started and didn't make it better at all, made it, you know, clearly made it worse and was probably, you know, has probably been embarrassed about this whole thing. Uh, I would think, you know, there have to be a lot of, you know, people come together on, on something like that, but it would be interesting to see what the NCA would do in the position they're in now after you see what they actually did to USC, and you might find out a whole lot more if this uh, Todd McNair case goes to trial. Uh, I don't know how aggressive the NCA would be in that case. I really don't know. Hmm. Good question. Yeah, it is a good question. And we'll talk a little more NCAA a little bit later on in the show. We have a few more questions to get to before we jump into that. Um, Tarek had a question. He says, I'm in favor of the quote-unquote platooning method on defense. Uh, could part of the problems of the offensive line be that we sub too much rather than just sticking with five men and subbing on occasion? And uh, sorry, I forgot that you already talked about this, but I wanted to at least get his question in there. Yeah, I think, Tarek, that's exactly what USC's, I think, thinking in those terms. And I don't know that that's second-guessing how they went through camp knowing that they had, you know, Arkansas State and Idaho uh, the first two games. But uh, but I think you'll see a lot less of the one-person one subbing or that kind of thing. Uh, you know, I, I just think that's probably not the, the best, you know, way to motivate somebody. Uh, and I don't think you'll see Toa being moved around. I think they pretty much have said that's not going to happen anymore. And uh, it's just not fair to those guys. So uh, I think, yeah, they're going to go for their five guys. And yet, as much as they can, they still want to be able to say and to actually be doing it to have people competing for those spots, you know, every week. So, you know, it's a, it's kind of a fine line you walk between getting your, your five guys set and allowing uh, the next group of guys to really compete hard, you know, to get into that, you know, five-man group. So, but I think they're going to go more to not quite so much mixing and matching uh, in the offensive line. Uh, Earl in West LA said, we've come a long way, uh, since playing 12 players on defense against Stanford two years ago. Lots of bodies played on both sides of the ball. He wants to know the numbers. How many scholarship players in the game? How many, uh, total players in the game for USC and how many freshmen played? Uh, all, any records set for the number of freshmen scoring in a game? Good question. And we didn't ask those. That's a, those are good questions. Uh, 13 true freshmen. My guess is that's more than any other ranked team played. I, gu- I guarantee it's more than any other top 10 team played, probably more than any top 25 team played, uh, probably more than USC's ever played, you know, in a game, in an opener. Uh, 23, uh, you know, players made their USC debuts, uh, 67, uh, in all, uh, you know, got into the game, uh, probably, I'm guessing at least seven of those would have been walk-ons. Uh, but 
I'm guessing, and I had, I think I had written a column the week before that I guess you could figure on 60 or so. Um, which the fact that we're not even worrying about that number now, uh, is probably really a good thing. I mean, you know, when it gets down to 44 like it was in the Las Vegas Bowl, uh, of scholarship, you know, recruited scholarship players, that's when you start saying, uh oh. Um, but once it's now that it's up in the 60s, uh, as much attention. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay. The last ones are from Big Nick in Cyprus. Um, he had a few. He says, what do you think about the freshman class? Uh, and then who, uh, was your player of the week? Hmm. Uh, the freshman class, and I said this to people and I, I just, I think I'm just going to keep saying it. This is the, uh, the number one class, number one ranked class in the country. You know, I think it was, uh, and I know there are different rankings and what have you, but number one ranked, uh, I think by Scout. Yeah. And, uh, among others. And, uh, I think it's very seldom when you can say it's the number one ranked class and it's probably better than that. And I think it is. I mean, I think this class is better than what you would, you know, expect from a number one, you know, ranked class. I mean, it's just amazing when you look at, uh, you know, you look at the four linebackers, you look at at least three, you know, big, strong defensive linemen, you look at, uh, you know, Biggie and Marvell, you know, uh, jumping in there right away. Um, you look at, uh, you know, uh, Tyler, you know, Petit, and, uh, you just, you know, one, one place after, and then you look at the three running backs, and you think, man, oh man, I don't know, I'd give it to, I'd give it to Ronald Jones just because, he hit that hole and he's, you know, he's still running, I think. Uh, and, and that was, that was just great to see him show you something that we haven't seen in a long, long time. I mean, somebody mentioned Reggie Bush before and, um, uh, you know, you, you're hesitant to ever go there, but there are things he does that make you think, wow, uh, that's like that one of a kind kind of stuff that you you did see from Reggie. I mean, they're not the same kind of runner. Um, you know, they do things differently for sure, but they do things that you say, wow, look at that. Uh, so, so I'd go with maybe RJ too, although Osa Messina scooping up that football and just, you know, running until he got to the end zone is the kind of play, you know, you, you just don't see linebackers of any kind make, and you sure don't back to, you know, a freshman linebacker, and um, I did notice today that he was getting a lot more opportunity with the first group, um, so, uh, you know, he's a uh, he pretty special, you know, pretty special athlete, and I think he and Gustin kind of teamed up on that play, so you got, you know, a couple of pretty special, you know, freshman athletes there. The uh, All right, so that was our questions for the game, and then the last part, part of the podcast, we wanted to talk about uh, the Todd McNair case, because you were down uh, at the courthouse today, uh, just a few hours ago, and maybe kind of give an update of, of what's going on. Yeah, the three-judge uh, panel, uh, not impressed at all, even a little bit with the NCAA's arguments. I mean, they, it was pretty amazing. I'm, I'm, you know, sitting there thinking, they know about as much about this case as I do. I mean, they paid attention. They read the briefs. And they went, I mean, you know, the NCAA, you know, attorneys and trying their best and saying things like, 
it's just a little mistake. Uh, big and, and and not really any malice. And 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 one of the judges says, "No malice." And then he read a couple of those emails. <laughs> he said, "What do you mean?" He said, "No malice." And then they're asking questions like, uh, "Wait a minute, the guy who wrote you're telling us this was a fair procedure, and the guy who wrote the opinion." Is the guy who said he's a lying criminal who should never be allowed to, and that was his opinion before, you know, he wrote the, he wrote the uh, decision and, uh, they just absolutely had, they did not agree with almost anything that the NCA said. I mean, it was just slam, you know, bam. The NCA said, she said something about, we don't want to quibble about, you know, and, and then one of the judges says, we're not quibbling. This is really important. And, uh, it was, uh, pretty much of a smackdown, uh, you know, for the NCA. And, you know, we did hear, and we don't, you know, know how exactly this works and it's a new kind of a procedure, but that they give the, you know, attorneys beforehand a tentative ruling, which can be changed. So, you know, something that comes up in the, in the oral arguments, uh, something that comes up in a later reading of the brief, you know, can change the way the decision goes. But, uh, basically, you know, they said that, uh, and the presiding judge said, you know, we've, uh, issued a tentative ruling and it turns out, you know, the, the tentative ruling is they're going to go with, uh, Judge Schaller's, uh decision originally, which was this case goes to trial. So it's not, you know, written in stone. I think they've got 90 days to issue, you know, their absolute, you know, actual ruling. So, uh, and, you know, nothing's decided yet, but you would think it's looking really good for, uh, for Todd McNair, looking really good that it's going to go to trial. It's basically now there have been three decisions in this case. The first one by Judge Schaller, the L.A. Superior Court, which said that he loses. Uh, then the second one was um, 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 the uh, motion off the, uh, uh, you know, the records so nobody would get to read them. They lost on that one, and now they lost on the merits of their appeal, which where they said throw the case out. It's just our opinion and no big deal. There's no malice. And they really didn't buy the, uh, the idea that there's no malice when you, you couldn't read the emails. And, uh, I know the NCA attorney, you know, she said, well, there's no rule that said they weren't allowed because the, the justices said, now these people weren't allowed to vote, right? And they weren't allowed to exactly participate. And yet they're sending these emails around and they're, you know, they obviously got these really strong opinions that McNair is a bad guy and should never be allowed to coach again. And the NCAA attorney said, well, there's no exact rule that says you can't do that. And then the, uh, the attorney for, um, Todd McNair got up and read the exact rule <laughs> in the NCAA rule book that says you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> and the NCAA attorney just kind of sat there very quietly and they brought up, this was weird. For the first time in like four years, they said, well, it's hard to say there's malice because the person who, who handled the press conference and, and who did the talking after the decision was Paul D. And of course, he's dead. So we can't know what he was thinking. <laughs> it was like, 
where did they resurrect Paul D? It's wow. like they pulled him out, you know, out of nowhere because they said, well, you can't, can't talk to Paul D. So, uh, it was, uh, pretty much of a slam down. I mean, the NCAA, it was a Hail Mary pass from, you know, like the, the one yard line. And, uh, uh, it's, uh, it doesn't look good for the NCAA. So, I mean, it's good for Todd McNair. I mean, he's going to make a lot of money from this. We've known that. It's just, you know, there's more delays, and now the trial might not happen for a year. I mean, it, I think it's good for McNair, but what does it mean for USC? That's what usually the fans keep asking. Like, how does this impact anything with USC, if at all? Well, it means if, the, if they say, if the trial court says that the NCAA went after USC, and they did so by going after Todd McNair, and they did it with malice, and they, there was no proof. I mean, the one judge today kept saying, but how can, where's your proof that Todd McNair knew that there was an agreement between Reggie and, uh, and this so-called agency? And they, she couldn't show where, he says, where does it say that someone told Todd McNair this? Show me in there. One place you have evidence that that's in there. There isn't any evidence. And you can't, you know, there's things like Lloyd Lake saying things like, well, he had to know, or I think he knew, or he was around, or, you know, they just didn't buy this and um, at all. I mean, they, did, they didn't buy it at all. So if the NCAA, in order to get USC, took uh, Todd McNair down, basically there's no there's no, you know, there's nothing on USC. I mean, basically USC, uh, you know, he had, he had one player for whom his eligibility was clearly in question. That was it. That was it. To get the worst penalties in modern football, modern college history for that. I mean, it, it makes it obvious what happened in the case and the judges clearly believed what they they knew from what they read. They really read the case as well. They knew what happened, and it's, it'll be nice if the rest of the world gets up to speed as much as uh, as these three judges. But uh, they just hammered the NCAA attorney. It's a terrible case if you're the NCAA attorney to say there was no malice, and then they start reading these these emails and say, "What do you mean there was no malice?" Of course, there's. What is, look at this. What do these guys are saying about him? Yeah, that's all there was I is mean, malice. <laughs> I mean, it's like how hard is this? I mean, but it's a hard case to see that there's one little mistake. That's all we just made, you know. And the McNair's attorney said, "Wow, finally, after five years, they're admitting it." So this is interesting. You know, we've gone five years before they've even admitted that. And uh, so, not a good day for the NCAA, but, you know, they've been able to stall it for five years. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it's something where USC can get something back, like record books, or uh, like the other question was, get Reggie Bush back there. When the case is over and it was clear and it, you can put all the evidence out, and then whoever the athletic director is at the time, because it might be a couple of years from now, you can go to the NCAA and say, here's what's going on. We want all this stuff back. It won't get scholarships back or anything like that, but it could get records and, and other things. Yeah, you would think, you know, they would have made that phone call like a hundred times already. Right. Uh, 
but uh, you know whether they have or haven't. Uh, it's interesting. Nobody from USC was there today, uh, not even observing. So whether they rather not know, I don't know. But uh, you know, I mean, they're in a having made all the decisions they've made, and then having the case go the way it's gone is probably not an easy position for USC either. You know, it's not an easy position for the NCA, but if you're USC, you know, you're thinking, mm, maybe we should have, you know, done A, B, C, or D, and they didn't do any of it. And, uh, you know, it would have been a lot easier for people to defend USC through this whole process had USC chosen to defend USC, but they didn't, and that makes it harder. It makes it harder to win the PR battle because even if there are people who want to make your case for you, if you won't make your case, it's really hard for somebody else to do it. That's a fair point. All right, well, Dan, great stuff. Uh, we got to hit a lot of different topics, so we appreciate you coming on. Back to the normal uh, Tuesday spot. Uh, last week, like I said, there was a little... A lot of stuff going on, so I appreciate people's patience with that. But thanks for coming on, Dan, and sharing all your insight. I enjoyed it very much, and now we uh, got a couple of stories to write. So uh, we'll be try to get those up as soon as we can. All right, so check out uscfootball.com for that. Thanks to Dan Weber and everyone else. Thank you very much for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next time, and here's a quick message from Michael Moline Real Estate. Most people know that buying or selling real estate is no small undertaking. Understanding the market value of your home, pricing, advertising, closing, and perhaps even selling personal property along the way are all examples of the real estate journey. And Michael Moline Real Estate has the experience to help make that journey an enjoyable one. Southern California real estate inventories are at historic lows, so there is no better time than now to sell your residential property. Whether you're moving into a bigger home or downsizing, personal property is often a component of the real estate estate transaction. Michael Moline Real Estate has industry expertise to help you with both your real property and your personal property as you get ready to transition. Michael Moline Real Estate specializes in properties located on the west side of Los Angeles and the southern San Fernando Valley communities. Allow Michael Moline Real Estate to give you a free comparative market analysis and home valuation so you know how much your home is worth today. Contact Michael Moline at michaelmolinerealestate.com. That's Michael, M-O-L-I-N-E, realestate.com. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 